CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, June the 3rd. Um, you know, we should have been doing a show about fun topics, you know, f- you know, just having a good time talking about more what-ifs about Virginia basketball, but there's a whole lot more going on in the world right now. And if you are somebody who doesn't want to talk about that, you are exactly the kind of person who probably needs to be listening to this show. Um, I, before I get around to introducing everybody, I want to I want to talk about something from last week. I touched on this briefly. I mentioned the picture that the that the kid the basketball kids had taken um, several years ago, um, and I said something to the effect of, you know, I mentioned uh, George Floyd's name and, and said, you know, we weren't going to get into all that. Um, in hindsight, that was cowardly. I think that was a mistake. And um, I hope that um, that through using this platform and using um, this reach to talk about these specific issues at a time in our country, in, in history, um, when it needs to be discussed, when it has to be put out there, um, you know, I hope that by doing that, um, you know, I can make some good out of that mistake um, because in hindsight, it has bothered me um, a lot since then. Um, so my apologies for that. And hopefully, um, we can do a lot more good, um, in, in, in talking about this head on, uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody first up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show tonight. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Uh, no funny quips for this week. We'll save that for another time. Uh, who on the board at who on Twitter and up in, uh, oh God, are you in Arlington now? Alexander, where the hell are you? Where do you live now? Ferber? Yeah. Arlington. Okay. Uh, Arlington. staff writer, Justin Ferber is also here with us this evening. How are you? I'm I'm okay. Uh, it's been a difficult week. Uh, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And joining us um, this evening, um, one of my my good friends. Anybody who follows Virginia football understands who Cove is. Um, former player. You hear him on the radio. You know him. You know he's on my site. He's on Twitter. Um, he's an inspirational dude. I'm really really thankful that he he took some time uh, out of his schedule. Um, and what is obviously a, a, a really tumultuous time for everybody um, to come on. Tony, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, I am not okay, and I appreciate you having me on. Well, let's talk about why you're not okay, brother. What, um, what's, what's the last week been like for you? Shit, the last 40 years been like for you? Um, what's, to talk to me about how you're feeling right now. Um, I mean, I think uh, when we look at the tensions of what's going on, um, every time we turn on the TV, every time we look on our cell phones and look at social media, uh, we look at um, a systemic issue that's been plaguing people of color, uh, shoot, it seems like since the beginning of time. And um, at the end of the day, uh, we as a people, we just want justice. You know, I mean, if, 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 this is a place that was built on equal rights and, and we're all created equal. We're just asking to be treated equal and the frustration that we just haven't, uh, it annoys me uh, in a major way. It, it annoys my, my daughters who are young, but are very socially conscious. Uh, I see it annoys uh, the Virginia football players as they're out protesting, holding up signs, very proud of them. And I see death and a lack of leadership uh, for this country. And it's a, it's a very sad state of affairs. I don't have answers 
but I have a lot of anger. I think that that um, I think that probably is a good um, you know kind of summary of for what a lot of you know African Americans in this country feel. Not just now. I, I, that's the thing that has been the most shocking to me is like, listen, I'm from Emporia. I grew up around you know my my school was predominantly black. My um, my graduating class might have had 20 white kids in it. Um, I remember the day the OJ verdict came out. You know, um, I remember going to a white college and it was just weird. Right. But every day when I went out from my hometown, I saw racism every single day, every single day, man. And I, I, I don't I don't know. To, to your point, man, I don't know how the, how we got here. Right. And what I mean by here is like to a place where I mean, look, the man took a knee and tried to, you know, bring change through you know, respectful, you know, um, you know, nonviolent, you know, sort of way. And the world told him or not the world, rather, some parts of the world told him, no, no, you can't do it like that. And now, you know, this horrible thing happens as it always has continued to happen. Um, and people still want to say, no, no, you can't you can't do it like that. Um, and, and I still I, I you know, my my confusion is that more people don't understand the situation they don't understand the complexity they don't see it they don't they don't even try to see it um and how many you know how many you know martin luther king memes you know can you post in february you know um it's not you're not you're you're not you're not seeing the issue and if nothing else in hearing you know your words tone i i, I hope people understand that like this is not something that just affects you know specific people who you know are um who maybe uh, are in these incidents right whether it's a, a situation that leads to specifically to death or it's, you know it's it's everybody it's every 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 black person in this country has a different experience than the three of us that's just the way it is and and i wish i understood why more people can't appreciate that understand that and try to learn from that um i, I guess tone when when you in in your I mean, you've you've been a mentor for a lot of players that have come through that program. Have you talked to guys in recent days? Have you what's what what have the last what's the last week been like for you in terms of communication with with different well, guys and stuff? For me, I, I follow them on social media, quite honestly, um, because I don't have words for them right now. You know, I, I believe in speaking from a point of being rational. But as I as I look at some of their posts via social media, they are very in tune. They are just as angry as I am. Um, so I have not reached out to them personally. I may have shot a text to say, "Hey, I know you're out. You're not okay, but hang tough. It will get better." And I'm trying to talk myself along. <laughs> yeah, I'm coaching myself along the way, saying that same thing to myself: "It will get better. It will get better." Um, you know, and then when, as I watched the other day, um, I watched a president, uh, tear gas, have, have, have peaceful protesters, tear gas, tear gas, uh, horses pushing them back, uh, the military being used, not what the, what the purpose of it is. I, I saw them being treated like they were hostile intruders. And they have a constitutional right to protest, um, you know, and, and and I saw that 
for a photo op and it broke my heart. I, I couldn't believe that it things could get worse. Um, but I should have known better because there is no, there is not a, a low bar evidently for, for that dude. And uh, I refuse to call him by name. I just call him nine times five, but that's all he is to me. And uh, it is, it is frustrating. And it's like, it's, it's just, it's pouring gas on a situation where people want, they want justice period point blank that, you know, and so it, it does my heart good to see the melting pot of black, brown, gay, straight. It doesn't matter walking arm in arm in the middle of a pandemic. That's how important. So they're risking, you know, getting sick from a virus that they don't have a vaccine for in order to go out and protest something that's important to them. That tells you the level of significance of this time right now. And uh, it, it, it just, man, I'm telling you, it just tweaks, it just tweaks my melon, bro, to just watch what I'm seeing and, 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 and feel helpless. You know, as I'm talking to my 17 year old daughter, you know, about her anger and her wanting to get out there and protest uh, in Philly. And I'm nervous about that, but I want her to utilize her voice because it's important. She's always been very socially conscious. Both my daughters have. So I was very proud, but very afraid for her at the same time. But it meant something to her to be out there amongst the protesters doing her thing and then telling her, it will get better and you're too young to vote because I, I'm a firm believer in, okay, what do we do after the protest? Because we can protest to affect change, but we have, to, what do we do after the protest? And someone like her asked those kind of questions. And I say, look, you're 17. You won't be 18 by November. I said, but some of your friends, I said, what about your friends? Can't, you know, she said, well, some of them will turn 18 before that. They will have an opportunity to vote. I said, so what you can control is making sure that they're all registered because they're reaching out to her. You know, they go to school out in the suburbs. They're one of the few black kids in class, one of the few black kids that play field hockey and lacrosse. And her friends are reaching out, feeling bad for her, wondering what they can do. And this is something that they, they can't control. You know, don't be silent. Stand beside you in solidarity and speak truth to power. You know, rage against the dying of the light. You know, this is your time to rage, but be smart about how you do it. Uh, and so that's kind of the messaging of what we can do. We, we uh, as Killer Mike said, you know, we can bully our politicians at the voting box. That's something that we can control. All, a lot of the things we cannot there are some systemic things that we are demanding change for. And, you know, we talk about the politicians that we want to get in, in, and, you know, we get the right people in to affect the change. Well, then you've got one side of the legislative process that will block any step, no matter how, what guy's holding the seat as the president. When you have one side that has their own agenda, they can block any progress that you want to have. So if, they get nine times five out. You get Joe Biden in. If you don't win the Senate, any type of progress that you want to make happen, it will be blocked because they have their own set agenda. They don't care about the American people. They are more worried and concerned about their own self-interest. And their supporters 
for the life of me, I don't understand it because they vote against their own self-interest. And so when you think about all the politics of things, how you want to see change affected, and you don't see it because of a person's political agenda, then you continue to see young black men and women killed in plain sight. And, and just imagine how many of them that we don't see because we, they're not on film. A, 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 a gentleman that owns a barbecue spot gave barbecue to free people, in, uh, to the police in Louisville, was killed by a police officer. Guess what? They didn't have on their, bo their body cameras, which is against the law. You know, and so there's always a loophole. There's always an escape. And I, we're just pissed off, man. We're pissed off about it because it doesn't seem like things are going to change. Let me um, let me go to to, to Dave. Um, I, uh, I I know that this is a, a part. Despite you, you know, I know you're just as lily white as I am. Um, but this <laughs> is you know for you a family issue because. You, you, your your nephews and niece are um, yeah are uh, of mixed race. What, yeah. Have you had conversations with them? What have the what's the, what's what's their experience been like? Because Tony's talking about like his kids and they want to get involved. How yeah. aware are your you know nieces nephews? How, how aware are they of these issues? Very and you know um, <clears throat> yeah, I grew up in Dinwiddie. I'm closer to Tony's age and, than y'all's age. Um, you know, it's racism. It, like it's been around a long time, folks. And I mean, in some ways, and Tony, can check me on this if I'm wrong, but like it's different than it was when I was a kid. Like it's, it was really bad when I was a kid. Now I can only talk about the environment I'm in. Uh, right. So it was much more blatant. It was much more in your face. Now people kind of hide it more, but it's still there. And let me tell you, as a as a white man in this country, growing up, you know, around white friends, going to Dinwiddie High School, like it, you know, not a white high school by any means, and having grown up around around, you know, black people that have been my friends my whole life, to me, racism didn't make sense, right? But people on your tertiary, you know, two or three people removed from your friends that hung around, it was there. It, it's hard to hard to miss it. Um, so you get away from that, right? You educate yourself, you get away from it. And then you see it through the eyes of when my sister started, started dating a black guy and ultimately got married to him and had children with him. That's an eye opening experience as a white man to, to walk with your sister and her black husband in public and see how many eyes you never noticed cutting. Like to me, that's been something I've dealt with. My niece is now 21 years old. Um, when my sister was pregnant with her, with her oldest now, like, I mean, there's, I mean, they'll probably, some of my family will listen to this, I'm sure, but there are parts of our family that we haven't spoken to in 22 years, you know, since my sister got married and look, it's, they may think it's their decision, but you know, they've been in places we've decided not to go because of what we heard about how they reacted to it. And so it's been, it's a part of life. Um, I didn't have to deal with it. Like I've never, no one's ever judged me by the color of my skin when I walk into a room. Um, I just seeing how my nephews and nieces hurt when they see it happen. That's always weighed on me. And, you know, silent, like many white people too silent, like that, that's got, you know, I try to do good by, by the people in my life. Um, and that's, what's kind of been weighing on me the last week is like, what more can I do? And for me, it started with, you know, 
giving space and then reaching out to, you know, to all the black friends in my life right now and just letting them know, like, you know, I love them and asking them to let me know if I ever traded, you know, if I ever made them feel like they weren't an equal part of my life. Um, and it's just, you know, the whole thing, like the entire country, like, I know you guys are a little bit younger. This stuff's been going on forever. And now we're in a time and age, like Tony was saying, where everything can be recorded. So imagine how bad this stuff was like before this. And it's still terrible. That's the thing, Even dude. With the yes, consequences that, oh, of being, God. being filmed every second. It doesn't change action. Yes. Right? You can see it. You can watch these videos. Like you guys know they're getting recorded and they're still so racist, flippant. stupid, racist, bigot. Flippant. They still do this stuff. And it blows my mind. Yeah. Um, yep. And when the internet came around, I thought like, wow, this is a great, uh, you know, you can educate yourself. But what you know, the the good thing with social media and the internet has been able to record this stuff that's happening behind closed doors for for years and years and generations and generations. What's sad about it is there's still people who see it and say, "Nah, you know, oh, I was okay with it until I saw them bust a window out." Like you know, so it's it becomes like the little ignorance can you know the people with ignorance can find a group and still be ignorant together instead of being isolated because everyone else in there. So it's, it's a frustrating time. Um, I mean, I feel, I mean, I wish there was more, I don't want to say that I wish there was more there I could do because there is more that I can do. And you know, it's just me trying to act on it. And I think Tony's right. Like, and it, look, you know, when you talk about the, you know, vote, Make a difference. But we're not just talking at the presidential level. You got to do it at your local level too. And if it's someone who's from the party, you know, from the party that should be pushing your agenda, if they've been in office for 40 years and haven't pushed it, get them out. You know, doesn't have to be the other side. Get them out in the primary. Get someone in there who will. Because, you know, a lot of people in, in our politics in this country on the national level have been in place for many, many years. Um, and things haven't changed. So, you know, it, yeah, there, there's a lot to can change, and you know, I think it starts on the individual level. I, I've done my best to raise my two girls, you know, ten and eight now. Um, I mean, I've had a talk with both of them this week, and they probably think like oh, the one, the most encouraging thing to me is like when I talked to my ten year old the other day, and I just you know asked her what she had seen, what she read, you know, what she knew about all this. And when I said, if I ever see you like judge someone by the color of skin, she looked at me like I was the stupidest person in the world. So I've got to keep that in her. And that's what I'll do. You know, I've been, um, I've been researching in the last, you know, 48 ish hours. Just, you know, all right, my kid's six. She is white as white gets, right? She got blonde hair, blue eyes that are changing, right? So, you know, she she has i mean we all know white dudes in this in this world right they're the most privileged out there right but i saw this video of this 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 kid this black kid goes and he gets he's he's protesting he's on his knees and there's this white girl that jumps over a, a barricade and stands in front of him and as the police bear down on him she doesn't move and i just just i just cried man like that's who i want my kid to be now i'm like tone like you know, right. you want the best for your children. You don't want them to ever be in harm's way, regardless of, you know, the situation or the technical details. But for that girl to 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 make that choice, that's the kind of thing I think that for a lot of white people, 
it's it's like there there's this uh, there's this other this other level of support, right? This other level of what you do to help that a lot of way people just aren't willing to do. Dr. King talked about, you know, that for a lot of people, you know, the Civil Rights Act was was in and of itself enough. You know, a lot of we, white people, you know, they they, you know, all right, we, we you know, we we gave you this. Now now go on about your way. And the idea about, you know, getting away from the shore, you know, they got uneasy and so they went back to what was comfortable. Same thing happened after we elected Barack Obama. Right. A lot of white people thought, all right, racism, racism gone. Well, then all that did was open the door for more of it. And, you know, I, I have I, Dave, I'm like you, man, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what what books can I let my kid read? You know what? How can I talk to her about this so that I can instill this at the most basic fundamental level so that everything else in her life can stack on top of this? Right. You know, human kindness is free, but it comes at a cost, you know, and. You, if you can't see people that you see every day as people, you know, I got in this shouting match with my dad about a year ago, you know, about the whole, you know, babies in cages on the border thing. And I'm like, dad, like those are people like they and, and, and this is a guy who, you know, he worked in the federal government and, and helped people cut red tape. And, and I learned a lot about life watching him and my mom, who worked at social services, work with people who were less, much less fortunate than me. Right. And I'm like, Dad, they're people. And that's the thing. Like, how how can we get everybody to see? It's not and don't tell me you don't see color. You need to see color. You need to understand color. You need to understand that that Tony's experience as a black man in this country ain't nothing like mine as a white dude. It's just not. Cops get behind me. I'm not worried. Cops get behind Ferber, cops get behind Dave. We we're not stressed. I mean, unless one of y'all's got like some cocaine in the car or something, I don't know. But like, we're not we're not feeling that. You know, nobody's going to ask me if I own my car. They might ask Tony that. What's he supposed to do with his hands? Because it doesn't okay. matter. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And, and, like, it's just infuriating. And, and, and I'm like, Dave, it's like I see these problems, and, and even as a white dude, I, I feel helpless, you know? I've, you know, I can go to the ballot box, and I can, you know, I can donate money, and, you know, maybe I can go out and march, but, like, you just feel hopeless. And that's another thing Dr. King talked a lot about, you know, the hopelessness of it all. And, and I can't imagine the way black people in this country feel today. But then again, I can't imagine it because it's never going to be my experience. And like, I feel like, again, like I said, at the top of the show, if you're a white person, hell, if you've made it 22 minutes in here, I'm kind of impressed. But if you're, if you're one of these people who doesn't believe you need to hear this, you absolutely need to hear this. Everybody needs to hear this. There's just no way around it. You know what I mean? We, we, Tony, we, 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 we should probably, um, circle back to something before I get off on another rant. Um, what is your experience? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot and so you feel free to share as much as you, or as little as you want, but what is your experience in terms of personal, you know, whether it's at UVA as a player, uh, you know, people, you know, the way people see football players in general, regardless of race is some sort of weird property. Um, but what's, what's your experience? Um, in terms of the racism that you have personally sort of felt from people just in your everyday life? Well, I think for me, you know, when I think back to being younger, uh, my parents did a good job of shielding me from it. Uh, I know that they experienced it. Um, I think for me, there were subtle things where I saw it, where being a popular athlete in high school, 
you know, I was afforded some extra little things, uh, you know, going to in classes with predominantly white kids. So, you know, I had a good balance of hanging out with my boys from the neighborhood, but then also being in classes and being invited to parties with, you know, my white contemporaries too. Um, but then I saw, you know, liking a girl that was a popular white girl in school, uh, her and I kind of having to date under the, under the, 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 you know, on the low, simply because it wasn't tolerated from her parents. Um, I, I, I remember being interviewed uh, in high school and, you know, a brother can put together a noun and a verb uh, and speak the King's English. And, you know, they would get to interviewing me and I go to talking about how my parents accentuated academics and they look at me like, yeah, that's not what we want. You know, as if they wanted me to, you know, be dumb in front of the camera because, you know, they like showing you know, ignorance, you know, when someone can't really talk and they're like, okay, yeah, so yeah, this is the picture we want. I never gave them that. Um, being pulled over for no apparent reason uh, and, and just not understanding it and like, wow, why, why are you pulling me over? Because I have a nice car? Okay, or well, I'm in the wrong neighborhood, you know, and at the time I'm, you know, thinking, okay, this doesn't make sense. And, you know, being a former pro player, Seeing my license, oh yeah, oh you play for the ball, oh hey Tony, hey just you know we we just checking people in the neighborhood, and I'm like yeah, sure you were, you know, but I just kind of just brushed it off. But then when you have kids, and your kids are called the N word, and when they're in elementary school, and when I'll never forget, my youngest daughter was on the playground. And a little boy in her class, you know, called her the N-word. Well, being a child of mine, she two-pieced him. And then <laughs> went and told the teacher what happened. Yeah. You know? And so roll the tape forward. Her in the eighth grade. No, ninth grade. She's in the ninth grade now. Earlier in the school year. A uh, little boy that, you know, her, they were good, uh, good friends, whatever, kind of liking each other. A uh, white kid, and he proceeds to, you know, call her a monkey, uh, say some really derogatory things to her. And, you know, I, I just, I want my kids to be able to go to school. And, and, and that's it. They not have to deal with this crap. You know, my oldest daughter running to the, the, her friend who was Korean when nine times five won the election and white kids running around saying, hey, you going back to China? you know, because the, my, my daughter's friend was Korean and she jumped to her defense and went off and immediately went to the principal and said, listen, we need to, we need to have some type of assembly and talk about racism and things of that nature in this school and with, with, with this new election of nine times five and starting a movement at her school, starting a diversity, diversity and inclusion at her high school getting her mother involved, who was kind of overseeing that. So, you know, when I look at, you know, stuff like that that happens, it makes me smile at them harping on the solutions and not just the problems. Uh, because because when, we, when we give energy to the problem, we make the problem stronger. We need to give more energy to the solutions because that's how we dominate the problem. You know, and so it, and it's going to take a commitment for us to be able to do that. 
you know, and you as, as, as my friends, as my contemporaries, as white men who I call my brothers, you know, for you, don't be my brother, my dog, when it's just me and you chopping it up. Right. Because if you're not as pissed off as I am, you know, and or, or being silent, trust me, I'm watching you if you're silent. But when you're as pissed off as I am and you're standing shoulder to shoulder with me and you're raging against the dying of the light, yo, you my dude, for real. And, and that's what we're asking for. Don't be silent. If you rock with me, rock with me 110% all day, every day. We're not always going to agree on the same type issues, but when you see me as a black man, you know, raging against injustice, to you, you should feel like that could be you too. Imagine if it was you and your child. Imagine if, you know, I could see me as George Floyd. That could be me. That could be somebody, an officer's neck and a knee in my neck. That's what I saw. Every time we lose one of our black kings, I think that could be me or that could be my child. My stepson is 21 years old. He's been pulled over three times in the last seven days just for driving. Each time he just got, oh, it's just a warning. Why are you pulling him over? Why? You know, that's my everyday existence. And so I worry about my family on a daily basis, a daily basis. So that's my prayer. I got to pray and, and trust God that he going to put his hedge of protection around them, my, my, my friends and their family. That's my daily existence. All right, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know how to follow it up. I don't. I mean, what do you what What do you do? I mean, yeah. No, and Ferber, I listen. You've been patient for 30 minutes now. Um, I know you're Ferber's a quiet dude, but Ferber always has the the, the wheels are always clicking. What What have you been thinking about these last few days, dude? What, what's been on your mind? Yeah, I mean, honestly it's been hard to kind of like put it into words without just, you know, repeating things that everybody else is saying. But I mean, I've been trying to read as much as I can and just really think about, you know, like what I'm doing, actually doing to, you know, further a cause or movement that we all, all four of us know is important and a real issue. It's not a made up thing. Right. Um, and I've always thought of myself as somebody who's like an ally to that cause because clearly I believe that it's, you know, we still have inequities and there's a long way to go and it's going to take a lot of overhaul to get things to where they need to be so that everybody has a fair shot um, and is safe. Um, but I'm really not as much of an ally as I thought I was. And that's kind of what I've learned over this week is that I'm not doing enough tangibly. Like, you know, I'm not just sitting, as Cub just said, like, just sitting silent and just like not being in the way of progress is not good enough. And, um, I can't speak, I'm not lecturing anybody else, but I know for me, like I am going to take this time to try to figure out, like, hopefully for me, a lot of good will come out of this. And I'll realize like, I need to channel some of my time and energy into things that really matter for people that need help. Like, uh, you know, e- even taking out all of the 400 years of discrimination and the wounds of slavery and, and all of the things that followed, you know, African-Americans are still less than 15% of the population. So, like, it's our responsibility if if they aren't treated fairly to do what we can as responsible citizens 
to make sure that, you know, things will change. You know, we were talking about police brutality and like going to the ballot box and all these things. You know, I know a lot of people are jaded about voting, but, you know, Dave kind of hit it. Like the local level is where you can really make a difference. I grew up in Louisa County, like you guys, a very, uh, I would say, diverse area in terms of white and black. Um, like there's just, you know, it's a pretty even divide. Um, I was lucky to get a lot of perspectives growing up. But I remember growing up, I was probably like 10, there was a sheriff election, a huge important role in the community. And it was decided by eight votes. And the person who won was an African-American who was the first African-American police officer in the county. And he went on to win four more elections after that. He won by eight votes. And he won four more times. So he was the sheriff and got to, like, direct policy and how that, you know, decide how that police force would interact with that community for 20 years until he retired last year. So, I mean, like, as the president and, and all of that stuff, I mean, like, yeah— it takes a lot to change things, but I mean, I think the most important thing is is trying to put people in power that have empathy and and are engaged in their communities and um, care, integrity, right? I mean, like the president we were just talking about, he's a person that has clearly you can agree with all of his political state you know stands, but he doesn't have integrity. He's not going to be the person that has your back, like when when people need help with things. He doesn't care. So, I mean, like, we need less people like that and more people that actually are going to get things done. And I think that's where it starts is, like, for me, and I also, I need to spend more time, like, I think it's fair to say for me that I have, you know, and I'm sure Brad and Dave, you probably do too, um, especially older, like, family members, people I know, people that have been in my life that have prejudices or biases. And, yeah, like Dave said, they might not be as in your face as they were in the 60s, 70s, 80s, but they're there. And I need to do more to make people see the light or at least try. It's my responsibility to try because I think too many people, it's an inconvenient truth for white people to admit that – you know, there are inequities, right? Because to them, they think that means, hey, my life, you're saying my life isn't hard. It's like nobody's saying that you don't have problems, but the problems in your life don't put you at risk when you get pulled over or walk down the street in a neighborhood or, you know, like make it harder for you to get a job or more likely to go to prison. Like, that's what I mean. Like, that's that's something that, and now with all these cell phone videos and things, it's going to be harder for those people to bury their head in the sand and not see the truth. They'll try but I think it's our responsibility to try to like keep them from doing that. Or at least if we can just turn a few people or do a few things here and there, like across the country. And I think that, you know, you see the, these people, I'm 30, the people who are 10 years younger than me, they are way ahead of where my you know age group of people are. Like they're going to be the ones that are making change. The Charles Snowdens of the world, the Malcolm Brogdon's of the world, like those guys, like they are, you know, contributing to their community and making the world a better place, you know, like one thing at a time. And I think that we just need to figure out like where we fit into that and make sure that we're actually doing something and not just, you know, or at least this is what I'm going to try to do. Not just say, Hey, like I support it. And like you said, Brad, like post a Martin Luther King quote every once in a while, like that stuff's great, but we've learned through this last week that it's not enough because people have been doing that for years. Yeah. And, and I, and listen, I, I am I am someone who believes that, you know, like I, I, I mentioned this on, on Twitter, on my Facebook. I, um, you know, I, I just mentioned it earlier. Like 
Dr. King was wise, but everybody wants to drill him in to make him sound like Dr. Seuss. And if you took public opinion polling at the time of his death, the vast majority of white people did not like Dr. King. But in death, he was seen as uh, a much gentler sort of um, amenable sort of person to a lot of white people. And for some reason, nowadays, white people, he, he, is the, he is the shining city on a hill about how all black people should do everything. As if the man didn't say anything other than, you know, these four quotes that you see on inspirational, you know, memes, right? Um, which is somebody who has read his words is just, it's just asinine, right? To, to boil the, 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 the whole thing down to like five quotes, you know, one speech. Well, Dr. King wouldn't have done that. Well, you know what? Dr. King ain't here. You know what? And, and, and it's, been, it's been 40 some years, 50 some years, and ain't nothing changed. Now you can you can point to oh and it's not like when he was it's not like when he was around everybody was like yeah what he's doing is exactly. like people were still fighting the peaceful protests and also he got assassinated right they show you these pictures yeah I, I'm gonna I, no, hold on they show yeah. you these pictures of Dr King uh, marching was, arm in arm right they don't show you what happened right after that where the where the where the dogs were out and the and the hoses were out right and they and the batons were out right we don't talk about that because that makes us uncomfortable and we can't be uncomfortable right. That's why uh, there are a number of white folks who are members of my website who listen to this podcast probably on a regular basis who turned this thing off before we ever got started because they looked at the they looked at the at the title and saw Black Lives Matter because that's what I'm going to do and they turned it off. I will get email that will tell me, you know, you shouldn't have done this. There will be people on my message board when I post this who will tell me you shouldn't have done this. And to them I say, "Good luck because I'm not going to stop." All right? Yeah, and I think that's what we need to do. I mean, I'm not, I can't speak for you two, but I mean, like, I need to worry. I, I said this to you guys in the text chat the other day. I need to worry less about being as, like, least offensive as possible to people and more about just, like, because this isn't a political issue. This is a right and wrong. Right, that's issue. the thing. How I mean, is this political? People try to divide people by making it a political yes, thing. How but, is like, this political? It is a right and wrong thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, human beings are human beings. It's not yeah. a political, this is not about, you know, capital gains tax. We're not talking about how, you know, whether schools should get this or charter schools should get that. We're talking about whether people are people. Like, that's not, that's fundamental about just be, of, being a human, man. And that's what, you know, and I don't know, yeah. man. I, I, it's like I'm sensitive to the fact that, like, here are three white dudes and, like, you know, I, I, I want to listen to the perspective of African Americans. And that's the reason why, you know, we talk, listen, full disclosure, we, we texted about this. Dave was like, hey, I don't know if we should have a show. And I thought, well, you know, we could do, we can have a show. We'll, we'll talk about it up front, but then maybe it'll be better, you know. And then the more I thought about it, it just didn't sit right. And so I reached out to Tone because, like, I, I got to have some perspective. I need, I, I, I can't just go out there as a white dude and be like, hey, this is the black experience. I don't know what that's like. I mean, I know I have a lot of black friends when I grew up and I saw, they, you know, folks being racist to them. And I've certainly seen plenty of racism in my life, but I've never experienced it. I mean, that's not, and no white, like, that's the thing is that, like, for a lot of white people, the idea that, like, you could just, like, it, it, that, like, you could be nervous that your child would come home safe simply because they were out. It, it's just. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, I'm going to say it because it should be said. I mean, and Tony, you can check me on this or anyone else can, too. Like one of the reasons white people like to quote Martin Luther King so much is he's not saying anything anymore. Right. Exactly. They don't have to worry about the next words and to come out of his mouth. And, um, like you, you've got to be unwilling to be uncomfortable. 
and I mean, I've seen I've seen black leaders, black protesters say stuff that made me feel uncomfortable recently. But it's because not uncomfortable because I think they're wrong. It's just uncomfortable because I didn't consider it that way. Right. Like I didn't look at it from that angle. And I can't like I, I can open my eyes as much as I want. But until I dig deep and listen more and and that's the big thing, like, you know, you know, I've got black friends, like every white person says I have black friends. Right. But that's a small group. It's not like I've got 500 black friends I reached out to this week, you know. Um, but what's sad is I probably have more than most of my, you know, <laughs> compatriots, right? I mean, similar age white people to me. I've got more black friends than they do. And I don't have that many. Um, so it's, it's just, it's a disconnect that doesn't need to be there. And, um, like I said, the, the thing I can do, you know, and we'll continue to do it is to lean on the, the, you know, the guy and you guys all know him because you've hung around them, but like to hang around the friends that are close to me and, and to lean on them for, for guidance. And, um, and I, you know, I could ramble on, so stop me, but the, the thing that hurts me looking back on my life, um, and, and that's what I found myself doing a lot is I know Brad and I know Justin, like we all grew up in, in rural, rural Virginia. Um, I, I know for me and, you know, I'm probably ashamed to admit it, but I've been in the room where the N words used when <laughs> there were no black people in the room. And I may have not, I may have left the room because I didn't want to be a part of it. That's got to stop. Like, I've got to challenge that word. Luckily, I don't hear it anymore. But I think back to those days where I just kind of walked out and let it happen. And I think, you know, that's what I've got to make sure if it happens again, I, I don't walk out, you know, um, if anything, so that, you know, that ends and, you know, it's just, yeah, you know, I don't want to feel, say it's it's guilt, but it's, it's guilt. Like you can't change what you did in the past. And, you know, I didn't say it, but I've been in the rooms where people have said it. And I'm sure you have too, Brad, growing up in Emporia and Louisa. Like it, it happens oh, in yeah. school or wherever. And you just laugh it well, out. Well, that's and walk the thing, it, right? You know? Like, yeah, you're like, oh, nobody, you know, like it's not really hurting anybody. That guy's just ignorant. You roll your eyes, you move on. But it's like, like you said, I think we need to try to make them feel bad about it. Right. <laughs> like, and, and especially you know, right now in this day and time get... where, like, I'm sorry, but like, yeah. I feel like a third of this country can't feel shame anymore, bro. Like, a third of this country right now just yeah. cannot feel shame. And that was one of the things Dr. King talked about, right? The idea of like essentially making someone see and then once they saw that, the banking on the humanity taking over. Right now, the humanity doesn't take over, right? Like I understand that for a lot of people, you know, all right, let's, let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? So, so I, I am not a believer that all cops are bad. I do think that all militarized cops uh, should – not be militarized, right? The last thing we need to be doing is giving cops who don't have the training tanks that they shouldn't be using, right? But beyond that, like, I don't think all cops are bad. I think that if you have a, as I saw this thing the other day, you have a thousand good cops and 10 bad cops and a thousand cops don't say anything about the 10 bad cops, you got a thousand and 10 bad cops, right? Because if some dude wrote a story, right? And he's made up a bunch of quotes, I'm not gonna be like, yeah, but you know, not everybody's like that. I'd be like, nah, he should have got fired, Right? And I'm, that's sports media, bruh. Like, that's not even, like, life and death. Like, how these dudes stood around while this man was killed, was was assassinated in the street. And this happens all the time. And you and yeah. I've got all these, you know, yeah. all of these law enforcement friends of mine. My neighbors across the street, one of them is a cop. She's working the protest in Richmond, right? And I, I it's not that I don't support her. I do. I, I hope she comes home safe to her daughter. I do. But that doesn't mean that, like, I'm just going to, like, give a blanket statement like 
oh, well, the, you know, the cops are doing. No, no, man. Like, look at the problem. Look at all of what's happened these last few days. Are there are there bad actors in terms of uh, the protesters who are making this thing violent? Of course there are. Right. I don't think anybody's going to say that that every protester is, is good. But the idea that, like, if you say one cop is bad, that somehow or another you've now said every cop is bad is dumb. But, like, what we're talking about is systemic. Well, what we're talking about is you're not just going to fix it because you think, okay, well, all of these folks are good. They stood around and watched this man die while everybody around them who were filming them told him that he was dying. And they didn't stop it. What else do you need? What what other evidence yeah, I mean, does white like, America I think, need? Yeah, I, I think that just real quick, like, I think it gets back to, like, why do people become cops and, like, who are we recruiting to be cops? And and like you said, like, you can't hold – because everybody, whenever this happens, I've had – and see, like, it's not so much, like, the N-word being thrown around. It's a lot of this just, like, from my experience, it's a lot about, but what about this? But what about that? And it's like, you know, like, that's what's going to happen with this situation for a lot of people. They're going to see the looting, and that's their excuse to justify it. They're like, well, mm -hmm. it's just as bad. And it's like, you have to hold police to a higher standard – than Joe Schmo going down the street in any situation because their job is literally they're sworn to serve and protect and nobody is forced to become a police officer. They are, choose that job. So like they should be held to the highest standard. And, you know, like I said, we need to find people in, in leadership roles because a lot of places like police chief sheriffs are up for election. Like those people, we need to put good people in those roles to make sure that they set the tone. Right. I mean, that's really like how I feel about it. And I, I don't really want to hear the excuses about like, you know, there's a lot of good cops. Sure there are. But like, I think Chris Rock said this. He was like, some professions you can't have bad right? apples, like pilots. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's, and it's interesting, man, you know, that, that whole analogy of, well, all, all cops aren't, aren't bad. They aren't all bad. Well, all black people aren't bad either. Right. Exactly. Right. How about that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like when you see crime, you know, you may have an area of crime in a city like, oh, well, it's just, you know, black on black crime. They're killing each other. You know, so let's look. All of them are bad. All black people are bad. You see me walking and you clutch your purse. Bitch, I don't want your purse. Get, you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Go play in traffic or something. I mean, really? I mean, and, 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 and it happens, bro. It happens. So I want them to use that same energy when they talk about Oh, it's not all all cops aren't bad. Well, all black people aren't bad either. Yo, let let's let's have that same kind of energy. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's exactly that situation that you just talked about is like the ultimate, from my experience, like, but what about situation that I hear from older white relatives or just people in my life? Like, but what about black on black crime? Like, why don't people protest that? I remember I had a family member who sent me that picture of the UVA basketball team kneeling, right? And that was his response. He was like, why don't they protest black on black crime? And I had to check him and be like, that is part of a systemic problem. Like, that's because of these disparities that we're trying to tell you and the system not being fair. Like, that's a, a byproduct of that. Like, that doesn't excuse police violence or anything else. Right. And, and, and nobody's right. saying that it's right or good, but it's like you can't hold right. those two things the same. Like, mm -mm. Mm -mm. And the yeah, and they're look, they're they're. Uh, go, sorry, Tony, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say you are so right, bro. I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah, and I was just gonna add, like, like I mean, I keep hearing that too, Justin. Like, you know, why don't they protest black on black crime? 
there's plenty of community-led protest about violence in the black communities. It just doesn't show up on yeah. national news because it doesn't get people to watch. So, I mean, it's just, it's a, look, I, I grew up in Dinwiddie right outside of Petersburg, which is a predominantly, almost exclusively black town. And violence is an issue there, and there were always things going on. And if you were, if you were able to read, you know, page six of the local newspaper, you'd see it. Um, but CNN wasn't carrying it. Yeah, I mean, like if a lot of these people that listen to this podcast, I mean, if you made it this far, then good for you. Um, but I mean, like they, yeah, I'm sure you took a sociology course. It's not that hard to figure out. Like, you know, crime is a result of like desperation a lot of times, like uh, bad situations that it's hard to get out of. Like police violence is a choice. Like, I mean, that's that. Like there, like that guy. This particular situation, like, there's no excuse for it. It's just horrifying. Like. Um, and the thing is like, it keeps, it's not an isolated incident. I mean, these things keep happening and like, you guys are right. I mean, before cell phone cameras, would we have ever heard about this? No. I no. mean, like it, it wouldn't have, it would have just gotten buried as like some people said this, but the police said this, and that would have been the end of the story. <sighs> Tone, I, I want to ask you. So right. You're so right. Dude, I want to ask you a question. And I, I admit before I ask the question, this is not, um, that you should not bear the responsibility of telling the three of us or anybody else who's listened to this pod what um what to do but i'm asking you as a friend of mine who has an experience that i, I frankly would never be able to understand when you're hearing us talk about it when you what 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 do you hear like what what check us what what can we what can we do like where where's the action item what can what can i do so that i feel like um that this horrible thing that's happening not just in this country that i love but in this world that i live in can be somehow you know put some dent in it what what can what can i do man the the thing that i love that i'm hearing is and i sat back and just listened to the three of you talk um and you heard me talk about it earlier you're just as pissed off as I am, even though you don't know the experience, you know right from wrong and you know injustice and you know what it is when you see it. And so it it makes me feel good to hear you all angry and looking for solutions as to how you, you know, how you can make it better. Um, as I stated earlier, doing what you do, uh, platforms that you have. Standing out and sometimes putting yourself uh, to the hazard and, and saying things that may not be popular, but they're right, you know, and don't feel like you always have to get it right. Because trust me, if you're always fighting for on the right side of justice, then you always be on the right side of it, you know, and stand, stand with us, man, stand with us, um, you know. Justin, you talking about, you I mean, you, I think you hit it on the head, man, you know, just that getting folks out to vote. And it's not just about who holds the seat every four years at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. If you want to see the, the systemic changes made locally, you have to vote locally, you know, during your research, you know, to those local you know, city council, mayor, sheriff, governor. You know, all of those school, you know, school district, all of those things have a tremendous impact in 
your specific community. You want to have better policing, then make sure that you're you're uh, holding the police chief accountable. You know, do you have a citizens review? You know, can that be established so that there's transparency and a relationship with the policemen and sheriffs in your cities and counties? You know, those are things that we can do, and 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 we're bullying them for the betterment of everyone. Because if it if it benefits you, it helps to benefit us. And you guys have a privilege that we don't have. Then help us. Use your privilege to help those that don't look like you. I think uh, I think I feel like that's a good place for us, but. I feel like we could also talk for hell the next 10 years and we maybe, you know, I mean, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I think, I think all of us would love to, you know, you know, go vote for somebody or record a podcast or, you know, post something on Facebook or go to a rally or something. And then, you know, it all would be fixed, but that's just not how this is going to work. You know, like you, you, you can't, right. you, you're, and I think one of the problems along the way is that for a lot of people, you know, one big action felt like a big action and they didn't realize that there had to be like nine other actions immediately. Right. Like it's systemic. Mm -hmm. It is Mm -hmm. ingrained. Mm -hmm. And until you, you know, you, you grab it and, 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 and just wrestle it, you're, you're never going to get it out of your house. Like you're never going to fix it. And so like, there's a part of me that thinks like, all right, we've been talking for 53 minutes. I could probably talk for however many more. I mean, you know, I am, um, like I said before, I, I, I'm so confused by by people who think that this is political. Like this is not political. And if you if you want to email me about it, feel free, but I'm not gonna read it. And I'm not gonna stop. And and if you if you wanna take your, your UVA business to somebody else, have fun. Like that's that's on you. Um I don't think that all you know, we're talking about voting out a you know, a president who is clearly not up to, to the moment. He's certainly not interested in unifying, he's not interested in anything that uh, that doesn't um, regale him as some sort of um, some sort of I don't know gift to America or some nonsense. Um, I'm not saying that every Republican is out there who is evil. I'm not saying every Democrat's a god. All I'm telling you is that if you don't think humans are human, you you're you're wrong. And I'm not going to stop telling people that 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 they're wrong. And I feel like maybe you know I. It's like I said before, I've, I've got a kid and you know what, if family members, you know, they, they don't, they don't want to get on board. You know what? Don't take the kids around the family members, man. Go nuclear. Do what you got to do to make it apparent to these people that they are wrong about this. Because I'm be honest, nobody's going to be hanging out around my kid who thinks that, that, that black people are treated fairly in this country. I'm sorry. Now, if you think they should, Okay. You know what I'm saying? But like, if, and if that's what it takes, if it takes me telling you as a family member, no, no, she ain't coming to your house. Can't do it. Then that's what it's going to take. If that's the only, if that's the only, mm-hmm. if that's the only card in my deck, I'm going to play it. And I, and I would, yeah. and I would. Thanksgiving right. 2020 is going to be a lot more right. awkward for a lot of we people. We got to stop dealing <laughs> with, with our weird uncles by ignoring them. We need to educate them. Yeah. Try to change their minds, and if they won't, we need to disown them. And I'm, and I know that that sounds horrible, but you know what sounds worse? Getting killed in the street over a fake twenty dollar bill. Yeah. 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 I mean, I can't even imagine like how upset you know Cove and and so many other people in the black community are if we're this upset. You know, like 
it, it's just it's tough to kind of put into perspective. Um, and I mean, I'm yeah, sure all of us would prefer. I mean, if this stuff wasn't happening, we'd be happy to sit here and talk about Brendan Armstrong and Keaton Thompson or something. But you know, I mean, we should yeah, we should be talking about you know recruiting misses in do. basketball, right? Like <laughs> we, you know what I'm saying? But like, no, man, the moment the moment dictated something else. And my hats off to Dave for making sure I yeah. saw that because, you know, at first I, I that wasn't where I was, and yeah. and I'm glad that 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 Dave brought it up because maybe I wouldn't have thought it. And I'm glad Tone decided, you know, to give us, you know, an hour and some odd change of his time, um, you know, to yeah. To speak. Thank you so much for doing this. Like, Seriously, it dude. really was yeah, cathartic. I think. And look. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys, man, and I appreciate the conversation because these are the kind of conversations that we have to have. They, you know, sometimes even when it's uncomfortable, you know, because what you guys are telling me by allowing me to have these conversations with you is you're telling me that I matter, and that me that's important. You know, um, Brad, you know how you raise your six-year-old daughter, you teach her that. Black lives matter. You teach her that. And, and and that's not saying that black lives above any other lives, you know, because you, you'll hear those people that say, well, all lives matter. Yes, all lives do matter. Black lives are the ones that are being taken. All right. So understand that we matter, too. You know, so we teach our kids that, you know, all matter. But black matter, black matters big time because we're, those are the ones that we're losing at an alarming rate. And so if you're killing our black fathers, then don't bitch about, you know, black fathers are incarcerated or they aren't at home. Well, you're taking them away from us. All right. So then, you know, as, as, as give them some of that shut the hell up, shut the F up juice. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That ball hawk puts out there because they need to get it. You know, my house so ain't on fire. Tony, yours making is, right? people uncomfortable. My house ain't on fire. That's Your it. house is on That's fire. It. I don't need you the water. What? Yours does. My my house matters. If my house was That's on fire, it. I'd say, hey, Mr. Fireman, bring me some water. But right now, take it to his house because I don't need it. Right. 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 Facts. Facts. And so keep raging. Keep raging and keep having these conversations because they are so important. Like I said, they won't be popular for everyone. But yeah. The, the, the ones that want to give you some pushback, yo, tell them to go play in traffic mm-hmm. on New York, in New York on a busy on a busy day or L.A. traffic on, on, on the on the nine. Whatever. When it's not quarantined. I want to end on this note. Listen, for, for anybody out there who if you and again, if you made it an hour in and you're still listening, but you're mad at me, that's I'm impressed. Listen, my job every day is to talk to predominantly black kids. Right. My job requires me to talk to predominantly black kids. My first job out of high, out of college was covering an all black basketball team that went undefeated until the state championship game, right? I wouldn't be where I am today, right? Without a whole slew of black kids and you know, growing as they went, going along their careers, being more, you know, kind with their time and talk to me. I would not be where I am right now if those kids did not let me into their lives. It would be cowardly of me to not take the opportunity to use the reach to do whatever I can do, right? Like, I, I, I'm sorry. My job is to cover black kids. And this is an issue for black kids, black men, black families, black people. And so if you are angry at me, feel free. But listen to the words. Listen to the perspective. Let it, let it come into your heart, man. 
And and if you think that and this I is actually something, do have one more thing. Yeah, hey, um, I'll come back to you in a second. If you think that this is not something we should have talked about, cool. But you listen this far, and that in and of itself might be something. All right, Ferber, take us out. What do you got? Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, it, obviously, we're still gonna continue to do what we do. You know, we're gonna talk UVA sports like we always do on the website, whatever. But you know, obviously, like we said, this conversation needed to be had. And also, I think. Uh, this is just from what I see. I told you I wasn't going to get a lecture, but um, treat the student athletes that play for UVA, whether it's on Twitter or just the way you talk about them on the message boards, they're people first, right? Whether they're white, black, Australian, wherever, you know, um, they are allowed to have opinions. They have a platform, right? They're making a lot of money for the university in a lot of cases playing for free, Um if they want to use the platform that they get from that exposure to bring about causes and things that they care about, don't tell them to go back to the gym or whatever. Like I see people do, you know, they, they have just as much right to, um, tweet about things or or talk about things that they care about or express their views as you do, you know, as a, as a person that comments on these things to make those comments. So, I mean, just remember like, you know, these are people, and, and a lot of them, I think UVA fans should be really proud because they have a lot of players that have made a lot of really, um, you know, eloquent statements and gone out and protested and done a lot of different, like, important work in the community, and I think UVA fans should be proud of them. I agree with that. That's Yeah, that's a really good point, dude. That's a really good point. All right, yeah. Tony, thank you very much for your time, sir. Yeah, man. Thank you all for having me, brother. I appreciate you guys, man, um, more than you know. Ferber and Dave, again, as I always say, thank you for your time as well. Um, to everybody out there who supports the show, thank you very much for that. If you are somebody who heard this, felt moved by it, do some good, man. I don't care what, what your experience is, whether you understood all of it. Um, you want to reach out to me and talk more about it? Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to help. Whatever I can do, man. But um, anybody who, who heard this and, um, and wanted to – um, to do something about it. I hope, uh, I hope there, there are a bunch of y'all out there. Um, you know, I don't, um, I don't, like I said before, I don't think we're going, we're not going to solve this one overnight, but you know what? Every little bit helps. And I'm, I'm not, and I don't think like Tony said, you, you got to keep raging. You got to keep doing what you can to make a difference. And that's, uh, that's what we're going to do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber and Tony Covington, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of catscorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.